1: to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there.
0: This is a chance, a lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are
2: all on the same team. Know your role and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again.
0: Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight! Great moments are born from great opportunity.
2: My name is Jim Wolfrey, and you're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we interview great sporting coaches to try and find ideas to help us all lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is W.V. Rahman. W.V. is a former Indian cricketer and the current coach of the Indian women's cricket team. He made his test debut for India in 1987, going on to play 11 tests and 27 one-day internationals. During his career, his most notable feat was becoming the first Indian to score a century in South Africa, which he did in 1992. He began his coaching career in 2006 with Tamil Nadu, and in 2008, the side won the domestic one-day tournament. He has since gone on to coach Bengal, the Indian under-19 team, and as an assistant coach with the Kings XI Punjab and the Kolkata Knight Riders in the Indian Premier League. In 2019, he was appointed the head coach of the Indian women's team and led them to second place in the T20 World Cup. WV is the type of coach who can sit you down and talk you through almost any challenging situation you might face and show a genuine interest in you. He is someone who has looked inwardly and been honest with himself as a player He talks openly about lacking guidance and that now, as a coach, it is his desire to share his experiences with future players in managing the pressures of modern cricket. He shares an insightful view into how he helped the Indian women's cricket team overcome the pressures of a World Cup by focusing the players on effort and to do that fiercely to ensure they performed at their best. As a fan of the game of cricket, this was a real treat. The Great Coaches Podcast.
1: The WV Raman, good afternoon and welcome to The Great Coaches
3: Podcast. Good afternoon and it's good to be here.
1: Can I just start with a really simple question? Where are you in the world today and what have you been up to?
3: I'm in Chennai, which is in the south uh, east coast of India. And uh, not only today, in the preceding six months, I've been trying to stay safe. There's nothing much to do because uh, everybody is going through a tough time because of this uh, pandemic. And obviously the uh, governing bodies and the governments have asked us to try and stay safe, which is what I've been doing. And uh, I've stayed at home in the last uh, six months. Uh, I'm sure that uh, millions and millions of people across the world have done that and they've restricted their movements because it's a matter of necessity, not only to you to be safe, but also to try and contribute towards the safety of others as well.
1: Well, we're very thankful for your time today. I particularly enjoy talking all things cricket, so I'm going to enjoy this conversation a lot. And in fact, I'd like to start by winding the clock back a little if I could because in your long career, you've had exposure to some wonderful coaches, Ajit Wadaka, of course, Bishan Bidi early on in your career and Trevor Bayliss as well, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. But I'd like to ask, start by asking you, what is it you think great coaches do differently?
0: They empower
3: the players that they are handling. They try and uh, ensure that the players uh, become their own coaches. That is basically what a great coach will uh, try and do because uh, it's not all about uh, a coach all the time instructing his wards or the players he's handling or the teams that he's handling. He's got to ensure that he sort of helps the players get better uh, and also try and help it uh, help them in such a manner that uh, they improve their skill sets within the framework of their technique, within the framework of their methods, because there's no point in trying to uh, clone everybody into doing uh, the same thing again and again. Each individual will have a style, so which means that uh, the coach has to identify what actually will suit him if he's trying to... Uh, encourage him to try and uh, do a few alterations. I won't say changes, a few adjustments rather, in fact, not in alterations, because it's all about adjusting uh, your skills or adjusting uh, to the conditions, uh, which is important. Because at the top level, in any sport, beyond a certain level, it's all about the mindset, it's all about the mental aspects, it's all about ensuring that the players are Nudge towards going to a good zone mentally for them to be at their best when they go out to perform on the field.
1: I wanted to talk to you about mental skills coaching later on, but I'd like to actually just follow up that question, uh, that answer, because there's a lovely quote from you that I read in preparation for today. And you say, it's a team game and they will be encouraged, motivated and guided to play as a team. There is no such thing as seniors or juniors. And so I wanted to ask, what are the values or behaviours that are really central to your coaching philosophy?
3: Nobody's bigger than the team because uh, you will have some performing better than the rest. It's not that because uh, the others are not trying hard enough. Sometimes your best may not be enough. So the numbers will vary. Some will end up having better numbers than the others in the team in a series or in a particular game or over a period of two, three years. Uh, but the most important thing is that in a team sport like cricket, it's important for each one of them to contribute. Nobody is uh, bigger than the others, or nobody is lesser than the others. It's all about uh, all of them going towards in one particular direction and trying to achieve a uh, success for the team. And to me, I always have a lot of time for people who put their who put uh, the team's interest ahead of their own personal interests because that is what will eventually make a solid team. Probably I'm not a great fan of somebody trying to uh, first churn out his numbers and then see if he can do something uh, useful to the side. It's always a question of the side coming first and uh, the individual always is bound and uh, needs to ensure that he does what is required for the uh, success of the team.
1: In a country like India, where hierarchy is respected and important, I imagine there would be some resistance when you first introduced that philosophy.
3: Yeah, it it existed. It does exist uh, in some cases uh, even now in this neck of the woods, Uh, not necessarily in India. You can even call the subcontinent. I've seen this happen. Uh, But uh, the thing that happened in these parts of the world is that There were a lot of foreign coaches who came into the setup, perhaps at the start of the millennium or prior to the uh, millennium ending. Uh, What that did was that um, it exposed everybody to uh, various uh, things, different perspectives. It's not that they did not want to stick to the hierarchy, it's just that there is a culture in a country and then there is a team culture and then there's a sporting culture. So essentially what used to happen was that the culture of the country was obviously uh, very much a part uh, in the setup of sports as well. But when these foreign coaches came into the setup, they brought in new perspectives and they also tried to uh, uh, make everybody understand that uh, sport is one thing, you know, that uh, you're better off without having to follow the hierarchy. Uh, And obviously it was done. It was done in India as well. But that little bit of reservation is always there. For example, if a newcomer came into sight, and if he had to talk to uh, somebody who's been playing for a decade or he's uh, been a great performer over a period of time, there used to be that reservation. Not necessarily the player uh, who's been around for a while wanted that kind of respect to be demonstrated, but it was just a part of uh, then growing up in a culture where hierarchy existed, Uh, but uh, uh, gradually what happened was that with the influx of uh, new perspectives and new ideologies or uh, uh, new uh, theories coming in uh, from uh, uh, foreign coaches coming to set up, whatever little existed, uh, uh, it's uh, gone away. And of course, uh, with the IPL coming into Indian cricket as well, That has given everybody a lot of exposure um, to, once again, cricketers from other countries and also to other foreign coaches, which meant that uh, if you had a coach who was, let's say, my age, uh, around mid 50s or close to 60, uh, everybody would address him, sir, in India. But uh, once uh, these foreign coaches came, obviously, that is something that is not uh, a done thing, and that's not a thing that happens normally they encourage the youngsters to call them by their names or even by their nicknames, which when that reserve was completely sort of eliminated and now things are different. Everybody is uh, aware of the fact that uh, respect is not all about addressing somebody as sir. It's just about having the respect genuinely within yourself and exhibiting it when required.
1: I've been lucky enough in my life to visit uh, many parts of India and have good friends there that I know will be listening to this. And so when I say uh, cricket is a national obsession in India, I do say that from a place of firsthand experience. And I imagine that that must put a lot of pressure on players at times. And I wanted to ask you about coaching players to have a natural style, to, to be fluid and not overthink in the centre when there is such intense competition for places and such scrutiny from the media. How do you how do you go about helping players with that?
3: It's very important for the players not to be sort of uh, over uh, burdened with various things that happens around them, and it is important for the coaches to try and ensure that they uh, eliminate the various avenues of things uh, that the players are exposed to uh, prior to a game. By that I mean that. Uh, We try and ensure that uh, not many things are spoken or not many things are told to them leading up to a game. It's important for a player to be uh, uh, carrying as little as possible. In other words, a player has to be as empty-headed as possible. He cannot have too many things going on in his head. So that is what we try and do. So my style has been that um, I always tell the captain that uh, until the 48 hours prior to the game, I'll be sort of uh, more active. I'll be uh, saying a lot of things to the players if required. But from the time that we got to get into a game, uh, which is 48 hours before the start of the game, it's all yours. You are the person who's handling the players. You are the person who will be saying what needs to be said. It's all your ship and you are the captain and uh, the team from then on. 48 hours leading up to the game is going to be handed over to you and I'll be staying in the backdrop.
1: Well, you're actually very lucky because you've got an amazing captain, um, Mithali Raj. She's known for her work ethic, her fitness, her leadership. I've seen footage of her talking. She's very articulate. And I guess in cricket, the role of the captain's also important because they lead on the ground. I mean, you can't be there and they're the one who, as you just said, is, is the captain of the ship. But what advice do you have for other coaches on choosing the
3: right captain? See, it's very difficult. It's not like football where the coach gets to pick everything. There's a selection committee involved in cricket, which means um, you've got to work in conjunction with them and a coach gets invited. That's how the system works. It's not that the coach ultimately gets everything that he or she wants in the team. Uh, By that, uh, I mean that the selection committee will obviously uh, decide on who's going to be the captain. Yes, they will have a discussion with the coach, but uh, they are very well within their limits to overrule the coach and say, yes, this is who's going to be the captain. At the same time, it also becomes a little bit of a tricky situation for a coach to tip his hand and say, you know, I want X as the captain because in the event, the selection committee nominates Y as captain, then there's going to be a little bit of a false start in a way, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, The coach cannot uh, uh, expressly say that he has a particular choice for leading the side. A coach has to try and point out the various pros and cons, and uh, also try and talk about the strengths and you know weaknesses of uh, each individual and what he thinks of each individual as a captain or a probable captain, what they can bring to the table, how they can take the team forward. But at the end of the day, it's always better not to really uh, make a specific choice because um, it can get a little bit tricky that way, what happens is that the coach also will not be uh, predetermined if he does not have the person who he would want to be the captain as captain. If there's going to be a different choice from the selectors, then obviously the coach has also got to once again you know, change his goalposts, start thinking in a different way, try and find out how the other person is thinking. Because um, players are very sensitive and rightly so. If they get to know that, uh, let's say, for example, if a player is nominated as captain, and if obviously these things do come out, and if he gets to know, or she gets to know, the coach did not want you as captain, that's not going to be a great start. So my personal view is that the coach must try and only give his views and leave it to the selection committee. And once the selection committee decide, the coach has to start working with the captain over it is and that way it works best.
1: You've had some great experiences as a head coach, even though, you know, you said you're in your mid fifties, but you've been coaching for a long time. Tamil Nadu, Bengal in the, the Ranchi Trophy. You had the Indian men's under 19 team. You've worked as a, uh, an assistant coach with the IPL. And of course, now you've got the Indian women's cricket team. I'd like to ask you when you first move into a new team, as the head coach, what are the first things that you do?
3: I try and ask the players as to what it is they want me to do. What is it that they expect of me? And what is it that they want me to uh, bring into the team? Because um, it is very important to know what is it that players want to do? Where is it that they want to go? And if uh, after this discussion, if I feel that, you know, maybe there are a few things that I need to try and suggest to these guys and then arrive uh, at perhaps a middle path wherein all of us agree on something and say, okay, right, you had your views, I've had my views. So let's see if we can collectively put all our views together and see, and, uh, see what are all the best possible ways we can take the team forward. And the other thing that I also try and do is, that, uh, is to tell them that uh, it's all about us working together all the time. If, if you have a bad game, no single individual is responsible. If we win, it's we win. If we lose, we lose. There is no question of I that will be you know, spoken about too much in this dressing room, at least under my tenure with the team. It's always a case of we. And the other thing that I also uh, uh, make it uh, very clear is to tell the players, whatever the issues are, it's got to be ironed out within that particular group. It's, it makes no sense to you know, take it to somebody and bring some arbitration from outside. Because after all, we spend a lot of time together. It's always best that we sort it out and everybody must have that uh, confidence to be open about what it is that they want to say in this particular dressing room. And each of them and uh, all of them are free to express their views without having any fear of that might come into play later on when it comes to their selection. So that kind of courage I gave them, that kind of culture I insist, wherein if they are of the view that I'm not doing certain things right, they're welcome to tell me because uh, it's no guarantee for every person to be doing everything right all the time. And hence, it's very critical that even the players constantly give a feedback to the coach as to what exactly he's doing right, what exactly he can do better. In as much as a coach does to the players, so once you get this kind of an atmosphere going, then um, uh, everything you know will uh, fall in place. Uh, the team will not be you know having to spend time on sorting out issues all the time. They are rather focus on their game and then get on with it and do as well as they can. It's only when people are uncertain uh, about their views being heard or not being heard or whether there'll be a little bit of vindictiveness if they come out openly and say a few things that may sound harsh, because at times truth can be very harsh. So I encourage them to talk freely, whatever it is, because at the end of the day, there's no point in having something up in the air or you know creating an atmosphere where a lot of undercurrents are, you know, developing within the dressing room. It doesn't help anybody. And no matter how talented the team is, how many talented and accomplished cricketers you have in a team, if this particular aspect is not clear, if it is not sorted out, if it is not really sort of conveyed to them, that team is really not going to perform as well as they can.
1: I know when you took over in early 2019, there was talk of some issues. It's not actually what I wanted to dive into, but I know that you were able to orientate this team and deliver a great result. Well, actually you second, I don't know whether you consider that great, but it was definitely a result that was a big improvement from where the team had been going in the T20 world cup. So clearly some, some elements of what you talked about worked, but what I would like to do is just, just go back if I could and ask, when you took over that team, what were the things that you agreed on? What, what were the big things that you and that team said, here's what we're going to do to drive our performance for, forward?
3: I took my time to find out what exactly they were not doing right and whether it was uh, for lack of effort or whether we did not have the resources that we are looking at to go in the direction that we wanted to go. Uh, It took me about um, perhaps um, three to four months to understand what exactly was uh, going on in women's cricket in India. Because uh, regardless of the fact that I've been involved in coaching from uh, 2000 onwards, I had not really um, followed women's cricket, even a little bit, to be honest. (laughs) And the fact that um, uh, it is uh, slightly different when it comes to women's cricket. Because uh, in terms of experience, they're not as experienced as, let's say, 19-year-old boy. Because uh, what happens is um, in in the boys' cricket, they start at 14. They play the under-16 levels. They play the under-19, and which means that they've been playing representative cricket for about, uh, competitive cricket for about five years. That is a lot of experience. And these girls didn't have. What used to happen was that they would have an under-19 level and if they did well, and they did have a senior domestic tournament, if they did well enough at the right time, they would be catapulted into the international side. And it's a huge gap from under-19 levels to international cricket. So it took me time to find out what exactly was um, there and what are the things that were not there. And uh, what uh, I did was, after uh, taking some time, uh, I had a chat with the girls, and um, we agreed on the fact that they needed to work on their fitness. And we agreed on the fact that they needed to work hard almost uh, like there is no tomorrow because what was happening was that they were talented, but they did not realize the importance of uh, making every practice session count. This was due to various reasons, It was not their fault. Uh, mind you, these girls are very diligent, they have a terrific attitude, they really work hard. And uh, the other thing that um, we agreed upon was that uh, they needed to improve on their skills as well. Because there's a lot of talk about these girls uh, were not mentally tough enough. So I was off the view when I took over the team and when they had a few bad results first up in the T20 format at least against the English girls. I said, it's not just about uh, them not being mentally tough. It's just about the fact that they need to improve upon their skills. It's like, you know, they know tactics. The, the point was that everybody was saying, you know, tactically they're very poor. Uh, mentally they are not tough enough. I said, unless you have the wherewithal, unless you have the skills, where are you going to uh, adopt the tactics? Let's, Let's be very clear on one thing. My point was that the girls knew what they had to do tactically, but it's just that the lack of skills that was required to do consistently at that level had to be improved upon. So I said, if they develop on their skills, I'm sure they'll execute the tactics far better. Then, obviously, everybody are going to say they're mentally tough. Don't, don't go by results. See what is there, what is not there, and start from the basics, and then let's go step by step. And the girls agreed, yes, um, uh, we if we look at uh, players from the other sides, uh, we ourselves realize that we are not strong enough and we also you know have to develop a lot more skills you know to do consistently well at uh, international level and over the next period of six months that is the later half of 19 we had uh, uh, a couple of dedicated fitness camps for a period of uh, three to four weeks which uh, helped the girls a lot and uh, uh, after they I went through those scams and continued doing based on the individual program given by the trainer. They re- themselves realized how much it helped them in their cricket. The results were there for uh, the players to see themselves, uh, let alone me and the rest of the people. Uh, they, then they got motivated enough to say, yes, let's have another camp, sir. When are we having the next fitness camp? And that is how you know, they progressed. And uh, due credit should be given to the girls, you know, for really going through the tough phases we put them through during the fitness camps. And we did not um, set any numbers as targets for them to achieve in terms of fitness, because um, that can be a little bit screwed because uh, people, if I set a number, for example, some may be there, almost. Others may not be close enough. So it's going to be a case of these people who are close to the number that I set, they're going to be just you know doing things in a the canter, they're not going to improve. So what I did was I told the girls uh, after consulting with the trainer, I said, you set a target, every three months we'll have a test and every test I would like you girls to improve by about 20% from your previous numbers, which meant they are competing with themselves, they're not trying to achieve a target. So when somebody is trying to sort of better, you know, the motivation is very powerful and they've done fantastically well. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when they're just about, you know, really going up to the next levels, everything's shut down, but I'm sure uh, the girls will bounce back.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
3: strongly.
1: I read that one of the other changes you brought in at the time was to try and create, you know, a mindset where the players batted without inhibition and this fear of getting out. And I wanted to ask, how do you coach for that? What what do you do to try and unlock that within someone?
3: I used to tell them in jest, I used to tell them, listen, um, listen, girls, there are two things that you'll always be uh, losing in life. It's just a question of ensuring you don't lose it too often and you don't lose it too much. So they asked me, what are the two things? I said money and wickets on the cricket field. Money is not losing, you will keep spending it. So wicket, you will lose it on a cricket ground. It's just a question of how much can you delay? But again, the point is not about delaying because in a shorter format, you can't be looking at preserving your wicket. So, when I say you will bound to lose it sometime or other, you need to spend your wicket uh, in trying to uh, up the run rate. That is spending your wicket. Money and wickets you need to spend. There's no two options for anybody. So, I said, don't worry about getting out. It's just a question of backing yourself. Just go and play. And anyway, you are playing a format which is all about being on the offensive all the time you can't take your time because you don't play test cricket you don't have that luxury of taking time but yes, within that frame of a shorter format yes it's not about going out there taking a guard and going bang bang and for ball one yes you can take a couple of deliveries three deliveries fine but you need to ensure that like your money you need to you know also Um, Spend your wicket or spend your time at the crease sensibly. And um, once they develop their skills and once they were told, yes, it doesn't matter if you get out. I I also told them another thing. I'd rather see all you girls playing a shot and getting out while playing a shot as against uh, struggling and trying to get out, playing a nothing shot. I don't want soft dismissals. Die by the sword, doesn't matter but I don't want a meek surrender on the field. And the girls obviously you know, um, uh, were very happy about it and um, they decided to sort of uh, step on the gas. They worked at it diligently themselves even when we did not have camps. And that was fantastic. Uh, the other thing is that these girls are young and they need to be encouraged. They need to be sort of uh, molded in such a manner uh, that you know they don't really are sort of uh, feeling the anxiety about what it is that they have to do on the field. Now, for example, a bumblebee I have read somewhere aerodynamically is not suited to fly, but it flies because nobody told it not to fly. Similarly, only if I or any other coach keeps on talking about oh you might get out if you do this. then you are, you know, sort of um, putting a vegetable which is in the fridge into a freezer. That's the kind of thing that you're doing in a way. So you need to try and get them out of that bubble and say, okay, it doesn't matter. You're not going to succeed all the time. But in trying to be aggressive, you might put the others under pressure in the opposition side, which will allow you to succeed far more than you are doing at the moment. So they needed to be shown the other side of the spectrum and think about it.
1: WV, you're an accomplished writer. You have a a book out, which is flying to me as we speak. I've read some of your columns. Uh, You're very articulate, uh, very erudite. And I thought you used this skill to wonderful effect during the T20 World Cup when you said, quote, the other thing I did right through the six and a half weeks was never utter the two words World Cup. I was only fearing, referring to that as the tournament because the World Cup bit can get to you. And so I wanted to ask, are there any other words or mottos that are central to your coaching philosophy?
3: I've only uh, told the girls uh, a couple of things when we landed in Australia. I, I, I told them that we are here to play two tournaments and we are here to come and show what we are capable of doing. We are not here to look at uh, results, play 10 matches and win all the 10, or uh, win five games, you know, five games, seven games, whatever is possible. We are not going to set any targets in terms of winning. I said, we are here to play good cricket. We are here to put a give a good account of ourselves. And we are going to take the other teams on because they are tough sides. Because in the Tri-Series, we had uh, England and Australia. They're very good sites. And those sites have been doing extraordinarily well in the last few years. So I said, you are going to show them what you're capable of doing. And you're going to make them think as to what suddenly has gotten into Indian girls. That suddenly things are different. So that is what your mission is. And the other thing, in order to do that, all I want you to focus is on just doing the best that you can. You be your own judge. If you go back to the room after a game, and if you got your head on your pillow thinking about the game, if you can tell yourself, yes, I did whatever that was possible that I could do, I did. It didn't work out in case we have a reverse. It didn't work out. That night, sleep peacefully. No problem. But if at all it occurred to you, oh, I did not do this as well as I could. If you get that coming to the forefront when you're thinking of the game, then that's a problem. You shouldn't be sleeping that night. Not that because we lost the game. It's just that because you did not give the best that you could. So go by the effort. And if all of you stick to this, I'm sure you will realize this is a far better way of ensuring that you will be at your best most of the time. Because looking to give an effort is something that is not going to put you under pressure. As against telling yourself as I'm going to score at a strike rate of 140, or the bowlers thinking that they're going to concede just six runs per over. Those numbers will put you under a lot of pressure. That will really sort of uh, uh, make you freeze at times when the pressure is really intense out in the middle. But tell yourself, I'm going to do whatever there is that in me to the best of my ability and go and do fearlessly. If you do that and come back, I don't care.
1: You are a psychologist, an amateur psychologist, a tactician, a skills coach, a trainer. But what is it you enjoy most about coaching?
3: the opportunity that you get to make a difference to somebody else i think uh, that's an opportunity not many people get everybody is out trusting you everybody is looking up to you to make a, a difference to uh, be a positive influence in their lives or in their cricket and i think that uh, i think is a great privilege Uh, There is nothing that can beat this. Yes, um, I could have done a lot of other things. In fact, I did as well before um, I ventured full-time into coaching. Interestingly enough, in one of my recent um, uh, chats um, with Rahul Ravid on the YouTube and also on the podcast, he also said the same thing. Yes, um, uh, I also tried out a lot of things and got into coaching because – here you can make a lot of difference, you can guide the youngsters and stuff like that. And that's exactly why I went into coaching full time. And I, I think I'm blessed uh, about the fact that uh, I've got tremendous opportunity to try and uh, be a positive influence in somebody's life. It's not just their cricket. I don't stick just myself to, you know, sort of helping them with the cricket. I also talk to them about various other things, which is going to be, uh, in my view at least, of great help to them. I'm sure um, they do talk and do continue our conversations outside of cricket as well, because uh, they feel uh, either it's really proving to be a relaxation for them or whether it's proving to be uh, beneficial. I have not found out from them. But uh, if they didn't uh, really sort of dig it, I, I think they were given enough courage to say, okay, this is not happening in Let's talk to cr- stick to cricket. I'm sure they would have told me. The very fact that conversations are continuing means that they do think that they're gaining some value out of it.
1: You've been coaching for 20 years and you had a, a good, successful career as you, you played for your country in both test matches and one-day internationals. You scored the first Indian to score a century in South Africa. But was there a moment or a person or an event that led you to really have this desire to coach?
3: It's uh, very interesting that you asked me this question because um, during my career, um, I saw a lot of talented guys uh, who could not uh, really sort of perform to the level of uh, talent that everybody saw in them. Um, Even in my case, uh, there were a lot of things um, I lacked guidance in during my playing days. I think maybe that was subconsciously always lingering in my mind. Uh, So uh, I also took up coaching um, for the simple reason uh, that um, perhaps was a reflection of um, the fact that we didn't have enough uh, guidance when we are playing. That was probably annoying me uh, without me realizing it. Maybe that was one of the reasons why I took up coaching uh, with the notion that I would try and guide these talented cricketers of the next generation or of the future uh, to optimize their potential. It's not always about um, uh, a really successful person uh, telling uh, things or guiding uh, people of the next generation there are a lot of things that we went through and uh, we, we can impart uh, or we can point out the likely pitfalls that they're likely to encounter. I thought that was um, one of the primary reasons that I went into coaching, just to ensure that at least uh, I would have the satisfaction of telling myself, yes, I did try and uh, see uh, that I could uh, help them. I helped them a bit. It was for my satisfaction to start off with. And um, it's also very important that um, whatever knowledge that you have gathered in your life, that you share it. Because uh, there's no point in not sharing it. It could be of help to somebody you don't know. And um, in in coaching uh, others, I've learned a lot as well. So which means knowledge is something that needs to be flowing constantly. It cannot be stopped uh, for any reason whatsoever. It needs to be um, exchanged, it needs to be shared, it needs to be uh, imbibed. So this is something that needs to be done constantly. You
1: talk a lot in interviews, I see, uh, about your thirst for knowledge. I know that you follow tennis, golf, snooker, billiards. You you read and in your writing, you also reference other sports as well. And I was interested in this time that we have been locked down or we have not been as free to move as much as we normally would. Has there been any books, resources, TV shows, websites, anything that's really caught your imagination and helped you as a coach?
3: I picked up various books uh, which I've read, in fact. Uh, and went through the particular paragraphs or sentences um, that I found was very stimulating. I did that for a while. And then um, I found other ways of trying to keep myself occupied. I did uh, an online show. And uh, then I was engaged um, in chatting to the other coaches within the system online. But if you ask me specifically, uh, what is it that I did? I can't give you an answer because um, it was um, a case of going through each day, you know, step by step, because uh, everything was so uncertain, you couldn't plan anything. You couldn't go anywhere. It was challenging in many ways. So you had to, I at least um, thought of uh, going through that phase uh, one day at a time, whatever it was, to keep me occupied or to at least to distract me. Um, and I also watched um, a television show very regularly, which I never did before this uh, lockdown and the continuous uh, staying in at home, uh, which you would uh, find very surprising. The show was about um, forging knives you know, on the History Channel. It was about forging knives. So you would have all the uh, bladesmiths coming in. They're given a time frame of uh, three hours. uh, And they would be given, you know, um, uh, vague things to try and uh, uh, shape out a knife to start off with. And then the next three hours, they're made to finish the knives with the handles. Then those knives will be subjected to some um, atrocious tests. Uh, to decide on the winner, it was very interesting, it was very challenging, it is uh, something I thought was very stimulating and very different, watching them go through those uh, uh, anxious moments and the way they uh, did not get their planning right or they did not get their implementation as well as they would have liked to, was very interesting. And uh, trust me, if somebody were to tell me to, uh, you know, even sat and watch that program for 10 minutes before all this, I would have probably had a laugh. But for lack of anything else to do, I sat and watched this one episode, full episode. And then I said, okay, this is interesting. Let me watch this because there are quite a few things that you can learn here.
1: We live in such a digital world that I think engaging with analog activities is such a pleasure. Um, So I will be checking that show out for sure. WB, if I could just take a few more minutes to ask one final question. And I hesitate a little bit to ask it because I think you've got a long way still to go with with your coaching and many more challenges ahead of you and I'm sure a lot more success as well. If I was to ask you to pause at this point and look back on your 20 plus years in coaching. What do you think is the legacy that you've left so far?
3: Of uh, being very fair, of being very impartial, of always um, being very interested in others, genuinely interested in the others, and wanting to desperately help them become better.
1: WV, that is a wonderful way to finish desperately wanting them to be better. I'd like to thank you for your time today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Good luck uh, for the season ahead. I hope that you get to the final of the uh, the World Cup that's coming up and you lose to Australia.
3: Thanks a lot for having me on the show. I hope uh, you enjoyed the chat. And um, life is such that nothing is always consistent <laughs> and past past results are no guarantees in the future. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, WV. The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Paul here. You have been listening to our discussion with WV Rahman, the coach of the Indian women's cricket team. The key highlights for me were the calm and measured way he goes about preparing his teams and the fact that 48 hours before the game, he steps back and leaves the final preparation to the captain. How the arrival of foreign coaches in the year 2000 changed the hierarchy dynamic within Indian teams and paved the way for a more egalitarian culture within the team. His view on money and wickets as being alike, and how you must spend your wicket appropriately given the format of the game. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Jim and I did. In our next episode, we will be speaking to former basketball coach, professor, and now Director of Sport at the University of Canberra. Carrie Graff.
0: From a young age, that if young girls are assertive or confident or any of those traits that are traditionally seen as positive leadership traits, that if young girls exhibit those, they're told they're bossy or they're rude. Or but when a young boy does exactly that, uses the same language and uses the same body language, people pat them on the back and say, "Mate, you're you're a great leader, good job." And I think that doesn't set our young girls up for for success as future leaders in their in their adult lives, and it's. It's wrong. It's a gender bias that we, you know, we're overlaying how women should behave or how girls should behave that, you know, leaders, that's, that's a leadership quality, you know, to be, to be assertive, not arrogant, not, not overly confident, but to use your voice assertively and in sport in particular, to communicate in sport, it has to be assertive, it has to be commanding, it has to be short and sharp, there isn't time
1: just before we go, coaches are not usually the type of people who seek the spotlight. And so if you can put us in contact with a great coach that you know has a unique story to share, then we would love to hear from you. You can contact us using the details in the show notes.
3: Selling a little?